sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. What's up, idiots? Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. The person now speaking goes by the name of John Elliott. And this person who is speaking now, after that person who was speaking, goes by the name of Patrick Riccardi. And this week, we are doing... Iron Maiden! Yeah. First Iron Maiden album versus the latest, Book of Souls. Because I like torturing Pat every now and then. With stuff as I, he is as not I into. Said, I said with uh, Motorhead, Iron Maiden is not what I expected, the first album. But yeah, the, well, there's a big difference between the two albums, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number one being different vocalists, but I mean, that's right. to be expected. But the first album is almost punk in a way. Um, well, another, and the songs are more more like normal song length on the first one. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Uh, the other so, big difference that I notice is the first album has a lot of hooks, whereas the later album i don't remember much of the songs like a few minutes after hearing them so there's one song and i don't remember which one it had it's kind of sounded like barracuda in parts i can't remember which one that was i had kind of that kind of guitar riff to it but that was the only thing i remember specifically yeah uh but you did pick two songs from this album strangely well that was the job i forgot that we so. used to... <laughs> um yeah, well, so what was your overall impression of the first album? Uh, I liked it. I mean, I probably wouldn't listen to it again, but I did enjoy it. Is this something you listen to when you're a kid? Yeah, so when I I was, I guess, 12, I, that's when I started like asserting my own musical identity, I guess. And uh, Iron Maiden was like, well, that's not true. I listened to Queen a lot before that. Um, but this was like my, my way of rebelling, I think. Uh like oh demons on the cover and look they're fucking <laughs> it's like parents don't like this shit at all so it was perfect for me um this album came out when i was 10 but i didn't get to it till i was 12 um which was when the number of the beast album came out um and i saw the cover i'm like oh a demon and satan on the cover yep i'm going for this so that's then i got their their other stuff at the same time and yeah i listened to it a lot back then not something i, I listen to a lot now what surprises me about Iron Maiden is I think my idea of heavy metal might be more supported by the people who were inspired or not inspired. What's the word? Like, yeah, inspired, I guess, inspired by Iron Maiden and, and kind of use them as a, as a, a reference point of how they want to do music. And I think their music is a lot less melodious, at least than this album. And the, like the singing on this album wasn't as, as rough as 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 would I like stereotypical heavy metal? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Not a lot of screeching and right. The yeah. stuff I hate. So this was not bad. This didn't have the stuff I hated about heavy metal to it. <laughs> Most. Oh no, this one didn't. Yeah, this one didn't have that. This one wasn't bad at all. Yeah. Although it did make me think. It kind of reminds me of a band I know a little bit better is Led Zeppelin. Not. They don't sound that similar, but they have a similar feel to them that makes me wonder why you hate Led Zeppelin and not Iron Maiden. Well, Led Zeppelin does have the screechy vocals, I think. Also, um, to me, well, Iron Maiden was just faster 
and okay yeah they are fast yeah and the like the distorted guitar sound is much closer to like punk and more modern sounding to me than led zeppelin i don't okay i don't really hate led zeppelin so much but i remember because led zeppelin was like everybody who was into heavy metal liked like led zeppelin and stuff too and i watched it the concert movie, uh, The Song Remains the Same, of Led Zeppelin at a friend's house, you know, at around that time, probably when I was 12 or 13 or something. And it's the most boring fucking concert movie I've ever seen in my life. They just have like 20-minute <laughs> songs, and ugh, I thought it was awful. Yeah, um, that could... I, I think I, I only know Led Zeppelin from the hits, and the hits are fine. Yeah. So I, 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 I know some people hate them, and some people love them, but... <clears throat> I don't think I pick up on either vibe. I just think they're 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 good. Yeah, I think they're all right. But, um, I've okay. I've come I thought you had more of a hatred for them than that. Okay, I, I so, don't. I mean, it's not something I am gonna just put on and listen to a whole album of. I don't think. Um, yeah, but the same can be said for Iron Maiden. Yeah, that's true. At this point in my life, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I like the uh, I like the roughness of the sound on the. You know, I guess I, you know it just appealed to me because. You know, my parents would have hated it. That's all. <laughs> I think I think that was the main thing. Um, and like I said on this, well, they had a couple singles off this that uh, went top forty in the UK. So anything that went top forty here? No, I don't think they rated here at all with this. No, album. okay. Um, it wasn't. I think it wasn't until Number of the Beast, which had like a number one UK single on it or number two or something and then uh, and then they got big over here after they got the new singer um after this dude left paul diano the singer on this album and this guy only lasted for like two or three albums two albums yeah two albums and then whoever replaced him is he the one that was on the album we listened to or is it like third yeah okay yeah bruce dickinson he's the he's the one when we watched the uh so he's pretty crazy we watched that uh, documentary on Iron Maiden. He, so he's a pilot, and he like flew them right. around on that whole tour. And he's mm-hmm. like a world-class fencer. And uh, apparently, before the the album we listened to, uh, before that, he got he contracted throat cancer and had to have a lot of shit done. And then he still came back and sang. So well, I admire the well, guy, not... even though I don't, you know, necessarily love <laughs> the music. I'm not going to say anything bad about that album now. My God. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so this one, this was 1980, and, and that was the other thing, like, talking about Led Zeppelin. It just sounded more modern to me and faster than, like, you know, that Led Zeppelin was, like, my parents' era. Right, so Led Zeppelin was is 20, or not 20, but 15, 10, 15 years old at this point. Yeah, yeah. Led Zeppelin is done at this point. The, right, yeah. yeah. So at this point... On radio, are they already calling Led Zeppelin classic rock, or does that not happen until, like, 90s? When does classic rock become a term? I, you know, we, when I was a kid, there was a classic rock station, but it was, like, Beatles and, like, early 60s stuff. Um, and they called oh, that I, classic rock. And I think it evolved to where, in the 80s, I feel like Led Zeppelin was considered classic rock. And Okay, that's what I remember. I never remember... I remember Beatles and early 60s stuff being on the oldies station. I guess station. oldies, yeah, more than classic rock. And then that's classic true. rock was stuff like Led Zeppelin's... Even Styx yeah. was, would be on that station, which is so weird when you think about classic rock being only 10 years old at the time. Yeah, but, you know, at that point, you'd had... Um, 
like punk and new wave and stuff come up. And so like the musical landscape was kind of changing in the late seventies, early eighties. So that stuff was called classic, I guess. So they didn't have to call it old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Past its prime. Anyway. But then U2 and Bruce Springsteen, they'd be, they'd be played alongside other classic rock songs without like a, a, no, a thought, and it's it's kind of funny when you think about it now. Yeah, but yeah, I know that's true because Bruce Springsteen's first album was like '73, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So he should definitely fit in there. But he was, yeah, I don't know. He kind of, yeah, I mean, unlike I mean, somebody like yeah. Bob Dylan, he like he evolved with the times. I think so. He always he sounded kind of fresh, even though he'd been around forever. Yeah, well, he also still sounded like himself, but he—I see what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the first Iron Back Maiden album. First Iron Maiden album, yes. With uh, apparently a bunch of drunks, because I think Paul Diano left because you know, or was kicked out. I don't really know because of drug use and too much drinking and stuff. And uh, same with the drummer. Eventually, he he did three albums with them and then left. I think for similar reasons. Um, but that was another thing for me. At the at that time, um, the drumming was very. It was a new style. Like he kind of created the heavy metal style of drumming, which their new drummer who came on at the fourth album and has been with them since, um, just kind of took over his style. I guess he had to because he had to play the old songs. And but anyway, yeah, it was it was a different style of. It wasn't so like four on the floor and blues based as like the other the older hard rock mm-hmm. heavy metal stuff did uh paul diana did he go on to do any other get like any other big bands or just kind of on the outskirts of heavy metal yeah on the outskirts he put out one solo album that was not very good it was uh there was a lot of keyboards on it and stuff it was like hard rock but with a bunch of weird keyboards it was like 1984 so i guess he was trying to ride some wave but since then i think he's he's still like tours around and just plays the Iron Maiden songs that he was on the albums of. I think that's all he does. But, you know, people go see him, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm guessing he gave up the drugs and alcohol to have lived to 65 or how, how old he is. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he's like, he's fine as a vocalist. He's nothing special, really. Just kind of like gruff sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and not shrieky for the most part, which, as I said, is nice. But yeah, it's a pretty easy album to listen to for heavy metal. I feel like because it it is catchy and and I mean, except for like one of the songs that, which is kind of what they evolved into later, uh, Phantom of the Opera. I don't know if you remember that, which is about seven minutes long. Most of them are just normal length. Yeah, and there's kind of a a mishmash of of uh, well, not really, but the per, and most songs have a, a fast pace to them. But there's a mishmash of pace inside of songs. That makes yeah, sense. they no, totally. They they will like well, your your first song has that right um, yeah that, that you picked because it starts out kind of mellow and then it goes fast and then at one point it just jumps really fast and then mm-hmm. slows down again. Yeah, they and especially that Found of the Opera song um, that. I was talking about does that like yeah they they go all over the place with like time signature changes and stuff um which they later took to extremes 
And that was one of the things I was going to say. I mean, you can talk about it now a little bit, but it's not as oh, I, I can wait for this criticism for the second album. It's not as it's not as prevalent in this album, but I think the 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 sometimes it feels like they're doing interesting things just to do interesting things and not like like there'll be these long guitar solos. Oh, and they yeah. don't, don't don't really fit in as part of the song. Like when you listen to jazz and there'll be a long solo, it's just like, wow, this really, this works. This is a part of the song that's really, it's coming together. That you know, it, But with these, this is like, oh, let's do this because we like to do this and it's really cool and we're really good at it and it doesn't fit as well. Nope, I, that's, I, that is my main criticism of the, the new album too. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk because I think like you could cut down the guitar solos on that album, the unnecessary guitar solos, and you might have a much stronger album. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk I mean, that, about it. This one doesn't have that as much, but once in a while, it'll feel like he's just showing off. Yeah, oh yeah, well, and that's like the heavy metal way, right? Like it's all about uh, technique mm-hmm. over over soul, really. So um, yeah, and I mean, before we get into the songs, another thing we should mention: this being heavy metal, there are there is some uh, misogyny there. We got the song "Charlotte the Harlot" about a hooker. Uh, maybe not the most progressive song. And uh, Prowler, the first song, is about... Well, that's actually kind of funny, because it's, it's about some dude who's a creep, like, watching a woman um, and touching himself. It's not funny the way I make it sound, but it's <laughs> at least they're aware that the dude's a creep in that song. Um, anyway, but yeah, let's go to your first song. Remember Tomorrow. Uh, we already kind of mentioned it's kind of mellow at first and it picks up but what did you what did you like about it it's 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 pretty yeah yeah it starts out being to it it's not what you would expect an iron maiden song to be like and i do like this the sped up parts they're nice so yeah that's about it yeah it works well it stayed in the set for a long time um they have another one called strange world that's also kind of mellow um but yeah. Anyway, fuck it. Let's just what, listen. What, yeah, what, yeah. What, are the, what from this this uh, just before we get into the songs from this album that of the ones we didn't pick, what would be considered like Iron Maiden standards? Like everyone knows this is an Iron Maiden song. So they still play Running Free. They still play Iron Maiden, and then you know for a long uh, Phantom of the Opera, they'll still play sometimes. Um, yeah, maybe Sanctuary. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's weird. They still do play. A lot of these, um, but they sound a lot different with the the new singer. And the other thing I was thinking is the fact that they changed singers and kept the same name is so odd to me. That the I know that the lead singer wasn't the guy who put the band together, but still, whenever I think of a band, I think of the lead singer. And not, I guess Van Halen's the same way, but it's just so weird that when a lead singer leaves, that the band can still remain. I know. Well, and it it's caused a lot of. Uh, like lawsuits with other bands and stuff like that. Um, people mm-hmm. fighting for the right to retain the name. But in this case, the band was started by the bass player, Steve Harris, who also wrote the majority of the songs for him. So. Oh, so that's a big part of it too, since he's most of the, he's just having someone else sing his songs. Yeah. And, and he, and, uh, he, and, one of the guitarists, Dave Murray, are the only members who have been with them all the way through. So, yeah, anyway, it's it's his band. Um, so let's listen to Remember Tomorrow. Here you go. 
free one of the singles um which is almost more like i mean i guess it's heavy metal but it's got kind of a glam feel with like the the drum the, beat those and drums stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a really basic simple song that um there's not a lot of show-off shit in it um mm-hmm. and i yeah i just think it's like a catchy rock song i think if it was released today it wouldn't even be considered heavy metal most yeah i think that's that's a lot of their songs are, are rock songs above all else. They, they, yeah. I mean, aside from the, the guitar, the guitar is significantly different. Than, yeah. Yeah. But the, but the, the, like the feel of the songs are, are very rock and not very heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and yet still better than the, the classic rock to me. Um, like if it was a choice between this album and a Led Zeppelin album, I would pick this, but uh, as I said, I probably so wouldn't pick either. The, the early Led Zeppelin albums are all like super bluesy, right? Yeah, kind of. But I wouldn't it, take. Sorry. I wouldn't take one of those. I wouldn't take one of those, but I would take. I would probably take Led Zeppelin over this. Yeah, I don't know. I I really like that that white English, really electrified electrified blues sound is like one of my least favorite uh, types of music. Um, yeah, that's why I don't want one of those early albums. Yeah. Yeah, like Eric Clapton, I can't, I can't, there's nothing of his that I like, so. Anyway, this is not like that. Let's listen to (laughs) Running Free. And that song was a companion to Born Free. Yeah, yeah, about the, the sequel about Elsa, the lion. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was after Elsa after was the... born free, then she escaped and she was running free. Right, in the sequel. Yeah. 
So, good for you, Iron Maiden. Friends with PETA. Um, all right, yeah, we're zipping through this as I knew we would because... Don't you think it should be pronounced PETA? It should, the way... Well, no, because I think PETA would be two Ts. No, no, but I mean, they're saying... Oh, yeah, because it's it's about animals. Pets. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess they're anti-pets, so just saying pet would be bad. Yeah. Maybe it should be PETA. I think it should be PETA, though. Yeah, maybe they just... Uh, they really like the bread. Transylvania. Hey, yeah. hey, 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 hey. You know, you know what PETA stands for? <laughs> Transylvania is the next song. Uh, your pick, an instrumental. There's no singing. That's what's so good about it. <laughs> that's, I was going to say, that's probably why you liked it. No vocals. No, it's cool. I mean... It it's could, fun. Yeah, it would be fun to like drive real fast down the highway listening to, I guess. Um, yeah, they did a lot of instrumentals. And uh, this, is, this is one of the best because um, a lot of them got, you know, well... They kind of started stretching them out a little too much. Yeah, I mean, this is four minutes, but it's not. It's interesting, and I, I don't know. I think I do have a problem with with guitar solos just to have a guitar solo. But when there's, it's just an instrumental. It doesn't seem quite as pretentious. Oh yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and yeah, and it it moves along. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, I I dig it. Um, let's give a quick listen then to Transylvania. songs we didn't pick sanctuary was uh the highest charting single from the album although it wasn't originally on the album it was released as a single and then uh on the on the north american issue of the album they they crammed it on so that's the shortest song on the album so maybe they should have gotten a hint yeah no shit well they they did for a little while i think and then they uh, you know now because like now well you know what we'll talk about it when we go to the new album but um there's there's probably a reason for a lot of the longer guitar solos, which we'll get into. But um. so at work the other day, we had, we were talking about Spinal Tap and how, and I didn't know this, but a lot of the Spinal Tap jokes were actually happened to real bands. 
would Iron Maiden be a part of that, or is Iron Maiden past the bands that were being made fun of? No, I think um, from what I heard, Iron Maiden was definitely an inspiration for that, um, but I can't remember any specifics about it. I mean, they had like insane stage shows and stuff uh, mm-hmm. at the time Spinal Tap came out, so I would imagine like the Stonehenge thing was, <laughs> or not Stonehenge, the uh, coming out of the pods thing um, <laughs> might have been it. Well, and the Stonehenge thing might have been an Iron Maiden. Yeah, because um, they were pretty much the biggest heavy metal band as opposed to, like, hard rock uh, at that time. And They're the first heavy metal band, right? Yeah, the very first heavy metal band ever. Uh, they So they were lumped in with what they called the new wave of British heavy metal, um, which was like them. Judas Priest, which had who'd actually been around since the early seventies, um, oh, but so then, they're not the first heavy metal. Band. No, um, so I don't, I don't know. But then they kind of like got a little faster around this time too. I don't know if they actually are are considered new wave of British heavy metal. But then a bunch of other bands that nobody's ever heard of, like Saxon, and I don't know, um, yeah, bands that are cult at best. And but, Black Sabbath are they heavy, are they before Iron Maiden or are they also heavy metal? Yeah, no, that Black Sabbath yeah. 1970 was their first album, so. Oh, okay. And they were more like sludgy. You know, they weren't nearly as fast. Mhm. Um although still not that difficult to listen to Black Sabbath, I have to say. Um, I guess that's an album I mean that's an episode in our future unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see. Ugh. I mean, they're another one that they, you know, they, they were good for a while. And then, not that I don't think Iron Maiden, well, we'll, we'll fucking talk about it. You know what? Let's take a break <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about the Book of Souls. And uh, I'll have a bit to say about it. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> souls a double album oh was it yeah oh god uh it didn't it feel like it and uh oh it's a it's there's not that many songs but every song is like three hours long yeah well the there's one song the last song empire of the clouds is 18 minutes long and they actually released that as a single. So I don't know if that's like the longest single ever released. It's got to be up there. Did it chart? I, you know what? That's a good fucking question. Let me see if I can find out. I've got the, uh, I've got the album charts here. Went to number one in Argentina. <laughs> oh, it doesn't give me the singles. Um, anyway. Yeah. I can't imagine it charted. No, it's not a great song. Um, 
Although it is all over, like it starts out with piano and then like this martial drumming. I don't know. It's about some airships got, or some shit. It got critical acclaim. Pop Matters called it a masterpiece. Everybody's spellbinding is 1984's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. <laughs> yeah, another. They they did do a lot of those. Like uh, they did a song called Murders in the Rube Morgue. Yeah, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, where they actually, in the middle of the song, they had like, a narrator reciting parts of the poem. Ugh. <laughs> they did a song based on Dune. They did <laughs> a song Dune based... Dune the movie or Dune the book? <laughs> the book. Uh, a song based on... Um, oh, my God. Oh, the Icarus and that, that myth of Icarus. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pretentious. Let me see. Empire of the Clouds went to number 41 in Sweden. There you go. So, the Swedes, uh, gluttons for punishment. You know, long winters. Like I said, 18-minute singles, perfect for them. Um, anyway, yeah. So, this one was harder to pick songs from. And, yeah, let's talk about the problems. It, exactly what you said was my problem. Like, you don't need these guitar solos. They're not... And, and I think one of the reasons, as I hinted at before, that there's so many goddamn guitar solos on this is because they now have three guitar players um so i think you know they all need a chance to show off (laughs) but yeah it like a lot of these songs could be cut down by two three minutes well i mean in the case of songs that are like 13 minutes they can be cut down by eight minutes um but or 13 minutes if you like uh yeah well actually no well one of the songs you picked is uh, the 13 minute song. So, and it's probably the most catchy of the song. I, yeah, I don't know. That's that's why I picked it. But I, I think when people have Twitter and they retweet things, they say we t- retweets don't <laughs> don't indicate support. I, I want to say my picks don't indicate support. <laughs> right. Yeah, the album is a little. It's well, number one, it's a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would use the word boring. Yes, it is describe this album. It's more boring. They have a couple of you know relatively short songs, like five minutes is like the the quickest. But even those, they they could be cut down. I feel like, and they're not as catchy. Like the, the whole mood of the album, like you said, is boring. Like. Some of the songs almost sound like, like movie. Uh, Goddamn, what do you call it? Like scores for mm-hmm. movies sound, and sound, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, surprised by the reviews it got. It got pretty much across the board good reviews, like four and five stars. Well, the people reviewing it are probably aware of Iron Maiden, and you know, are are giving them credit. I mean, it's more like at this point they're more like prog rock than heavy metal but this is like it's not surprising if you know their catalog like this is they've been heading this way for a long time Um, Mm -hmm. and a couple songs are almost exact ripoffs of older songs of theirs which i guess that's bound to happen when you've been around that long and do do, are there fans fans of this album or is it too different from what came before it no, it's not. It's not too different from what came before. I, okay. They they still sell out arenas, dude. They're they're mm-hmm. huge. Um, 
In fact, I wonder how much this sold. Uh, I don't have that info here. But uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it did get on a lot of like best albums for metal and classic wow. rock. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's kind of a small field nowadays. Uh, went to number one in a lot of countries. That's crazy. Finland? Germany? Greece? It came to number four in the U.S. Did, wow, did it really go to number four? Jesus. The highest, their highest position on the Billboard 200. That's insane. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there are fans. I, I agree with you. It's just me, a meandering album for the most yes. part. And I usually don't mind meandering, but in, in this context, I didn't care for it. Yeah. Wait, seventy-four thousand. That's not. What the heck? That doesn't seem like a lot. I think it's a lot nowadays when people Is don't it? buy albums. I got, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, I think they make their money anyway on tour, like most acts do now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember when I was in Berlin uh, in 2015, or posters all over the city for this tour um they were coming well i guess it was number one album in germany so makes sense anyway yeah uh very meandering and too slow it's not the music's just not interesting enough to sustain the lengths of these songs i think i agree and like i said i like we're going to talk about these songs the only one that I can even remember is uh, your pick that I said was the catchiest one, the 13 minute song. And mm-hmm. that's, that's basically only because of one element, but we'll get to, all right. My first pick was speed of light because it's short. It's <laughs> relatively fast. Um, it's got, I guess what could be considered a hook. I guess if you listen to it enough, it would stick in your head. Um, but it's, that's cowbell. It does have cowbell, which, you know, I'm always a sucker for the cowbell. That is not true at all. Um, I think it's impressive that Bruce Dickinson came back from cancer to sing, but I don't like his voice as much as the other guy. Yeah, well, his voice is pretty much ridiculous. I mean, it's it's almost comedic, his voice to me. (laughs) It's so over the top, Um, which is not to take away from, I mean, he can sing. It's just such a weird operatic style. Yeah, it's like uh, a, a, a professor. A professor <laughs> how you think a professor would sound singing. Yeah, kind of pompous, exactly. Almost pompous. Yes, <laughs> which fits the uh, tone of the album for sure. Yep. Yeah, when you have a 13-minute song, and that's not the longest song on the album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, Speed of Light, um, I don't. You know, I don't know. I've read the lyrics. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about with any of this <laughs> stuff, really. But um, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're an Iron Maiden fan, this is fine. I think uh, the three songs we picked are the three best songs on the album, um, which is not saying a ton. But uh, I don't know. Let's give it a go. Speed of light. Maybe you will agree with us.
and your pick, the, the best song on the album, The Red and the Black, 13 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, and as I said, it's the whoa, whoa, that really does it. All the whoa, all the whoa singing, <laughs> like that's an actual hook. Uh, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe a five minute version of this and you've got a you've got a single. As it is, eh, I don't know what we, what were your reasons. This is just the most memorable song. Yeah, I for don't sure. Know. It's, it had it had some interesting elements, and it was more fun to listen to than the other songs. Yeah, and even at like, unlike the eighteen minute song, at thirteen minutes, it I mean it's long, but it didn't feel like a slog. Right. Um. Not to say it couldn't be cut down dramatically, but uh, yeah. And it ramps up in interesting ways. It yes. It kind of starts slow and then it gets the, it's driving, if you will. I And I will. Yeah. It's more that, that kind of ramping up is more, has more in common with like the first album, the way they, they did stuff musically, although not as, not as fun, but, but definitely uh, this would be. <laughs> Yeah. This is kind of an insult. I don't mean it to sound like an insult, but it reminds me of at Christmas time when they have the Christmas carols redone by by like heavy metal bands and it has it starts <laughs> off slow and then it has all the elements thrown in. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that. <laughs> well, and this one also reminds me of another song of theirs that I can't place, but like I feel like this was another kind of rewrite almost. Um anyway, let's take a listen. Hey, why don't we just give you all 13 minutes of it? Yeah, please. <laughs> let's do that. Let's not. Here is the red and the black. Yeah, you know, when I was talking about being like a score for a film, it, there's there's a lot of like classical music influence on a lot of the songs too, which, uh, you know what, you're not classical musicians, but sorry to break <laughs> it to you. But, uh, Have they ever scored a film? Maybe that's something they should do. They might enjoy it. Yeah, but you know, what are the, what is like the the score is going to be like one song going all the way through with like <laughs> 500 guitar solos. So, 
Um, the next song, When the River Runs Deep. Um, also, in as far as this album goes, uh, fairly catchy. But uh, as far as the definition of most people's definition of catchy goes, not catchy. But I'm I'm still surprised when we talk about these songs that it was so popular, not popular. Well, oh, popular, so, yeah. So so critically acclaimed. I mean, it just doesn't sound like. It sounds like it's out of place. It sounds like it is it, that they haven't moved on. Like this sounds like something that would fit in in like the 80s and 90s. I'm just surprised that this got so much acclaim when it's it's like they're they're kind of swimming in place. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, wait, hold on for one sec. Sorry, I had to stop for a second to take a phone call. Uh, you said you're not trying to diss Iron Maiden fans, but... No, I, I mean, you, you like what you like. I, I, I'm yeah, surprised no, you like this one so much. Totally. I, I think I think the thing is, like you said, it sounds like it could be from the 80s or 90s. I think that's what people like about it. I mean, they take you know they take comfort in it. It's, it's familiar to them. And mm-hmm. I do give Iron Maiden credit for wanting to progress and like like this is a totally different album it could be a totally different band than the first album um if you listen to it so they have they have changed i just think they haven't changed in interesting ways like i i would prefer more song craft to uh shows of technique Mm -hmm. that's exactly yeah exactly how i feel which yeah is is not in evidence here and like some like the first song, if eternity should fail, I like when that was the first one I heard, obviously, and I started listening to it. I was like, oh, this could be interesting, but there's just there's just nothing to grab you, to grab right. me anyway with these songs. And it's obviously it's not an album that you listen to once. Um, you know, it's it's for fans, and I'm sure they listen to it over and over until it gets into their skin. But I, it, there's not enough there for me to give it that much chance. I but I should go back and I I did like red, the red and the black I did enjoy no, a me, lot of the aspects of that song that was a good song me too aside I, from the length yes I actually do song. and and just the fact that you can make a song that the two of us could enjoy that is thirteen minutes long is an achievement yeah. I guess um, yes or especially me yeah since yeah. you're an Iron Maiden fan from way from back way back from eighty two Jesus yeah I was first on the train suckers. Um, yeah, I, I saw them, uh, in, in 85, which was the, the tour when, from the album where they had the rhyme of the ancient Mariner song. Um, and it was like, 
I went with some friends and our, our dads had to take us, you know, cause we were too young. We didn't <laughs> drive and anything. And they were like up in, I don't know, some lounge area watching it. And I think they were just cracking up the whole time because <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Like the, just the giant sets and like Eddie, the, the, their mascot coming out like 30 feet tall and shit. Um, so what what would be the height of their popularity? Would it be about 85 or earlier or later? Yeah, I think I think right around then 80 84 um when that Power Slave album came out was probably the height. I I think their highest you know, I don't actually know. I wonder what their highest charting album was. Um cuz Number of the Beast was their big breakthrough. Uh it was platinum in the U.S. Next one was platinum. Next one was platinum. Next one was platinum. So yeah, so they had platinum albums in the U.S. all the way up through '86, which was um, an album called Somewhere in Time. And then after that, they they started going gold, and then silver only in the U.K. Um, they had two albums where Bruce Dickinson left the singer, and they had some awful singer. Those were terrible albums. Uh, then he came back. Why did back. he leave? solo career he did a couple solo albums oh everyone remembers them fondly <laughs> they were weirdly more like just hard rock than heavy metal um but anyway yeah he came back and then they started getting gold albums again um anyway yeah so so i i guess like 82 to 86 they were they were at their height um but they like i said they still managed to sell out stadiums so good for them i hope uh Bruce Dickinson isn't flying them still everywhere because that's, <laughs> did I watch really that documentary with you? Yeah. Yeah. We did it. We did an episode on it. Yeah. Oh, we did. I knew I had watched it. I didn't remember we did an episode. We did that it. versus spinal tap, I believe. Oh, that was a early one. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, if you're going to listen to an Iron Maiden album, get, uh, get the first one and not this one. Um, you know, unless you're, Unless you're a weirdo, uh, apparently a lot of weirdos like this album. So, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that was fun. I, you know, you can always pick a Edie Brickell album for me to do or something if you want. I... <laughs> oh, actually, there's that Edie Brickell Steve Martin album we could compare it to. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I do think that'd be interesting. I don't mind banjo. <laughs> hey, I, no, I'll do. I will do anything, man. Um, That's not true. Wait, what? No, I I did. I love Lucy. Wait, oh no, I won't do Big Bang Theory. You're right. Um, speaking of Big Bang Theory, the uh, God damn, I can't I can't believe the Good Place is done and it's not coming back until what September or something. Yeah, it was a very good finale episode though. But it was, I think for me, it was a a harder one to wait on than last year's because last year's was more like, what are they going to do? I can't wait to see it. But this was like. Shit, this is another entire change, and I'm really, really wondering what they're going to do and what what change actually happened. Yeah, I'm totally well. I'm totally invested in it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the season was insane, man. Yeah, yeah. This was this was a better season than last season. I watched last season again recently. Like I kind of just I didn't pay full attention to it. Just had it on in the background, and I it's still great. But the the complexity that's added by the surprise ending of the first season made the second season that much better. Yeah. And the characters are, you care more, more about defined. the characters. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Although it's hard. Yeah. To, and it's hard to talk find... Ted dancing, kicking a dog into the sun, but 
when you find out that that everybody is has their own like marks against them making them not like perfectly good people because in the first season you're watching you're thinking chidi and tahani are these perfect people and then you find out they actually aren't it's it makes things a lot more interesting i plus the acting's great the acting keeps getting better yeah i feel like um i feel like michael sure has a end game in place for this series like i i don't know that it could go on that long actually um, i would say i don't know i i don't i really don't know with the short seasons he has i could see him getting five seasons out of it yeah maybe but i could also see it ending next season easily ending next season as well me too yeah that's that's what i was thinking and that would be awesome for it to mm-hmm. go out like you know just a great show um but it needs to get some nominations come on I, I, what the fuck dude that yeah that was that was stupid those golden globes when does Brooklyn Nine-Nine come back? I don't know. They're showing that fucking airplane show, which I haven't watched. Oh, me neither. I guess I'll try it out. I never remember what day shows are on. Yeah. They've AP got... Bio. Did you watch AP Bio? I did watch AP Bio. It was all right. Yeah. I was expecting more. Yeah. The guy, so, the guy the cast. From, the great cast, and that guy from Comedy Bang Bang is the, the creator. So I thought, oh, well, this is the first episode. There's, there's parts that made me laugh out loud, so I'm hoping it... Keeps improving. I'm just a little disappointed. Basically, the guy from It's Always Sunny is just playing the same character. Again. Yeah, yeah. That's. I know we can do more. So. Yeah. No, I was a little disappointed in that too. Um, whereas, uh, uh, Caitlin Olsen is basically playing the same character in the Mick, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I have a double standard there. Well, he's too much like Dennis. I think he's just. He doesn't have any redeeming qualities, at least as far as this first episode went. Um, I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep watching and see yeah. how it goes. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's unfair for us to say it based on one episode because I think part of what makes the Mick her character a little bit better is that once in a while she'll have like uh, some. You'll feel empathy for her because she is being nice to the kids. Yeah, and then the first episode, this he kind of scoots close to being nice to the bullied kid, but he doesn't quite get there. So maybe as the show goes on, it, it will have a little, a little more heart. Yeah. Which you need a little, you just need a little, a little tiny bit, not too much or then it's awful. So we'll see yeah. what happens. I agree. And I don't know. I, I wish Patton Oswalt could get a better role. Like his role is just, you know, he's like the, the schlubby principal. Um, well, who, you should watch Happy. He has a great role in that. Yeah, I got well now finished. If I can ever see it, I will. Um, yeah, because I, you know, he's great always too. So, anyway, um, yeah, goodbye, Iron Maiden. Um, Pat, for sure, will never listen to you again. Uh, fare thee well. Oh, there they will fare well. I have no doubt. Uh, I guess that brings us to recommendations. Stations, 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 stations. What do you got? Nothing? You go first. I, I know. It's tough. Uh, it's a tough week for recommendations because I haven't been doing a lot. But uh, I will recommend um, The Frontline Dispatch, a podcast, which uh, if you've ever watched Frontline on PBS, you realize is not a feel-good podcast whatsoever. I think uh, Frontline's motto is... Uh, uh, if the horrors of the world haven't sobered you up enough, we've got the solution. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's harsh stories about, you know, about 
tragic shit, but it's good. Like, I watch Frontline, but often I will record it because I have to be in the mood to be brought down so much uh, by what's going on in the world. Um, but the podcast, thankfully, the episodes are fairly short. They're like a half hour. Um, so you can listen to them pretty easily and it won't get you too down. Um, and you know, I don't know, it's good to, it's good to know about all these things that don't make the national news, um, that are going on that, how people are being fucked over in various ways. Anyway, uh, yeah, that'll be mine. The frontline dispatch. I don't have much either, so I'm going to go into the past and recommend an old documentary called The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, about uh, oh God, two, yeah. two video game aficionados who were battling out to get the high score in a certain video game. And it it's back in the news now because the kind of the, the antagonist of that documentary is was got all his records taken away from him because it turned out he wasn't following the rules, which if you watch this documentary would not be a surprise. Would not shock you at all. That no. I, I mean, that one, like, uh, like American movie. Did you see that movie, that documentary mm-hmm. about the dudes trying to make a low budget horror movie? Well, anyway, same with King of Kong. Like these are real people who like, if they were, if it was fiction, you wouldn't believe these characters right. existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this guy is like, I'm at some point his the antagonist of King of Kong. His picture is going to be in the dictionary next to douchebag. Uh, <laughs> no, that's yeah. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I did not know this. The guy who directed this this documentary went on to direct like non non documentaries, and his last movie was Baywatch. Oh shit! So yeah, <laughs> he's moved up in the world. He also did Horrible Bosses, which was a, a, that was a bad. Good, very funny movie. And he did a few episodes of Parks and Rec, so can't say anything bad about him. Nope, except for Baywatch. And he did the pilot of the book, Good Doctor. Oh, so two strikes against him. <laughs> but, you know, King of Kong and, and Parks and Rec make up for it. All right. Um, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Uh, rate us highly and write a review, if you're so inclined, on iTunes. Like us on Facebook, and most importantly, tell everybody you've ever met to listen, and ever will meet. That's a a good way to start and end conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, Your change will be 55 cents. Watch Pop Culture Continuum. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, and then when you tell them to watch it, they're going to be super confused. But Mm -hmm. do it anyway. Um, Well, I watch most of my podcasts by closing my eyes and using the theater of the imagination. uh, When you close your eyes, pretend I look like a giraffe. They really need to renovate that theater. It's getting well, pretty run down. Yeah, that's the things I do in there are kind of part of the problem. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right, everybody. I guess that'll do it. we got to think of something for next week. You can always write us and give us suggestions. We would appreciate it. So until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>